Welcome to the Straight to the Point podcast, where your hosts, Dr. Paul Lawrence and Dr. Tyler Piron, will take a condensed look into some of the pressing, commonly asked questions from within our veteran community. Join Paul and Tyler as they get straight to the point to bring clarity and a better understanding to intriguing topics. Now, here are your hosts, Dr. Paul Lawrence and Dr. Tyler Piron. Welcome to Straight to the Point. I'm your host, Dr. Tyler Piron, and I have, as always, Dr. Paul Lawrence, the former Undersecretary for Benefits at the Veterans Affairs. I keep getting it wrong and have been corrected by a number of people. It's no longer the Veterans Administration. I'm just old school, and I keep (laughs) saying it. I know it's not true. It is Veterans Affairs, and we are going to talk about incarcerated or justice-involved people. There's a number of things that are just not necessarily what you would expect with a veteran's benefits with people that are serving time. Paul, what in the world happens to veteran's benefits when someone's incarcerated? Yeah, hey, it's great to be back with you, Tyler. Well, unfortunately, veterans are a large population, so they run afoul of the law and they end up in facilities, okay? So if you are there more than 61 days, felony or misdemeanor, your benefits are affected. So let's talk about this. So let's say you are 50% service-connected, you end up going into a facility, you broke the law, and you're paying, doing your time, as you say. Your benefits will be adjusted down. So you'll go from 50% to 10%. And if you are at 10%, you'll be, or you'll be cut in half. Okay, so your benefits go down. So that's something a lot of veterans don't realize and really can be some problems. It's compounded by the fact that often VA doesn't do this right away. So there's some miscommunication in the matching. So veterans get out and then later VA finds out about it and they incur a debt and VA comes to get their money back. So it's kind of a du- the potential for a double whammy. If you can imagine this, you finally get out and Now somebody comes and says, hey, you owe us money because we didn't really turn it off the way it should have been turned off while you were incarcerated. I'm shocked that there would be any delay and that the government would immediately want all their money back. Yeah, unfortunately, it's pretty heartless. Now, it's not as heartless as it sounds. So, for example, if you have a family, okay, the family can petition to have those benefits paid to them based on need or hardship or whatever. It's called apportionment. Okay, but it doesn't happen automatically and requires the family to do something or the individuals who the veteran in our hypothetical example is supporting. Okay, so the first thing you have to understand is you do end up being incarcerated and you are a veteran receiving benefits, things will change. If they don't change immediately, it probably is in your best interest to contact the VA and explain what's gone on because it's better to have this dealt with right away versus having to get a debt. Okay. So how in the world does the VA even find out about it? Oh, there's matching agreements with Department of you know, Justice and things like that. So no, there's a very sophisticated matching agreements going on for folks who end up you know, getting incarcerated. Unfortunately, sometimes they're delayed so that you, know, you can imagine, gee, your sentence was, let's say, six months. They might not know until the six months is over. Then they'll ask for reduction in benefits to reflect what should have happened. So is it always a 50% reduction or is it some other math formula? Oh, no, it's brutally hard. If your benefits are greater than 
10%, it goes to 10%. It's brutally, it's pretty clear. So anything above 10% goes to 10%. So you can imagine- So you could be 100% making, I don't know, whatever that is, 3,500 in benefits each month down to like 115 bucks. Yes, that's exactly. Now, when you're in prison, of course, when you're incarcerated, you are- not able to buy a lot of stuff. So really the dilemma would be you get out in six months in the example where you're talking about they've gone from 100 to 10%, but it hasn't kind of worked its way through the system. You owe six months times $3,500 and you get out and now all of a sudden you've just got out of the facility, probably don't have a job. You know, sometimes unfortunately the family wants nothing to do with you you're really in a difficult situation and you have this huge debt. So, I don't do math in public. But that's like 30 grand. Yeah. I mean, very quickly. And so it really can be a difficult situation. So the best advice is this happens to you, contact the VA. Now, the good news is there are programs that the VA has for veterans who are in the justice system. There's a whole handful of them, but the simplest way to think about it is called veteran justice outreach. There are folks who are employees of VA who work with you know, the court system to, you know, identify veterans like this and help them with issues like healthcare, like, you know, working through their benefits, the way we describe, like a whole range of things. So, you know, while it's a difficult situation, the VA can be there to help. Now there's only certain things they can do, cannot provide legal representation, cannot do whatever, but they can make sure that things are about as good as they can be. So for example, they could find out somebody's here. We want to make sure their benefits are ready when they get out because you want to sort of have them start day one once you're out. The other sort of thing is if you are incarcerated and your conditions do get worse, they could help you apply for an increase. So when you get out, you actually get more, right? You could imagine you go in for somewhat longer than six months. You have, let's make this up, a bad knee you're unable to exercise or do whatever, your knee gets worse and you could get an increase. So they can do things like that, for example. I could definitely see where somebody that's incarcerated because so much goes on with crime is related to mental health issues and being incarcerated is probably not the best treatment for that. Right. Uh, So they would help apply for benefits. And there's a program called Healthcare for Reentry Veterans that would help them work on the things you're describing. So the real challenge is, of course, is to connect the veterans with these people, right? These, these the staff from VA who work on this, right? Sometimes veterans don't identify when they're incarcerated. Sometimes it's hard to find out. So it's a little bit of the squeaky wheel, unfortunately. I mean, there's many places where it works great, but there's many places where there's just a disconnect. So what family members can do is they can help their veteran who would be incarcerated in our example, you know, involved is find these people to get this sort of help. That sounds like a big order for the family. I'm sure the VA is also doing reaching out and trying to figure out who's incarcerated and who are veterans and things like that. How does the family go and ask for apportionment? There's a form, like everything, there's a form. I don't know off the top of my head, but you go and you file a form. You have to demonstrate that, in fact, you know, you're related to the veteran and that the, you really do need this money. And so there's a form and it's pretty straightforward. It's a very, unfortunately, it's a standard process. So it's not, you know, horrifically hard or new. It just does, but the family has to do it. And the family has to demonstrate they're in need of this money. So it's a little bit of a, it's a little bit of a, 
a little bit of work to do. I'm sure it is, but it's a lot better than uh, if you're relying on it and all of a right, sudden exactly. the breadwinner, uh, so to speak, uh, somebody especially uh, very handicapped ends up in prison or long-term jail sentence over right. 60 days, I think you said. More uh, than 61 days when this goes into effect. So what is the number one thing that if you're incarcerated or you know somebody that's incarcerated, that's a veteran should know about? Well, they should know about the, the Veteran Justice Outreach Program from the VA, okay? But they should also be thinking about planning to come out. So for example, you do have access to your GI Bill benefits, so you can do some online education stuff. Now, you don't get the housing allowance, you don't get a lot of stuff, but you can begin to find a way to reintegrate to return, you can apply for veterans readiness and employment so that when you get out, you can have a counselor and have a program to get a job. Okay. And you can, again, you know, potentially apply for an increase in benefits if your condition, you know, your conditions have gotten worse. So if you're beginning to think about getting out, you know, you can see that the VA has programs that will help you. Perhaps most significantly though, is they can all think about what's going to happen on day one. Like, where will this veteran who's now released spend his first night? Because often you leave the facility, you have nothing. Again, sometimes you cannot go back to your family. That relationship is really strained, okay? And where do you go? Recall our conversation a couple segments ago about homeless veterans. Well, this is a connect there to find the VA resources for homeless veterans and let them know, I will be homeless my first night out. Please help me. Okay. So there's a connect there that would really be valuable. All too often, I had people tell me this they find incarcerated veterans sleeping behind McDonald's because they don't have anywhere to go. Sometimes they return to crime because they don't have anything as opposed to connecting with VA and the homeless resource. So it's thinking about getting out and thinking about what your benefits really can do for you even after you've had this difficult journey. Yeah, the recidivism rate of people that don't find employment or housing almost within a week of getting out is astronomical. I was reading in our lo- one of our local charities about that. Mm-hmm. You know, the sooner they have a job, the sooner they have a place to live, the lower the recidivism rate and and it's many orders of magnitude. So if you're incarcerated, and you have access to a phone call, just get in touch with the VA, the standard VA 1-800 number. Yeah, 1-800-827-1000, a good place to start. But also you can ask in the facility, where are the VA people who come here? I mean, this is a fair question. You're not asking anything. How do I connect with them? And you know, what am I eligible for? So that's one. And again, I'd be thinking about, like you just pointed out about recidivism, right? I mean, but there are resources. There are the homeless program. There are these VA officials. There's benefits that can, you know, if you do this right, you could apply for an increase and have it go into effect on the first day you're out, right? So you would have money, you would have help and you could do whatever. So it's really just a shame to think about when things don't work, because don't forget, and some of these, remember we talked about this SSVF, Supportive Services, Veterans and Families, you know, they'll find you a place to live. They'll help you with money for food. They'll even give you a phone. Everybody needs a phone in this day and age to connect and find employment and stuff like that. So it really is, there's really a lot for this difficult situation. 
Well, I learned a bunch. I've never actually explored what happens to veterans benefits when somebody's involved with the justice system and, and ends up in prison or jail for mm-hmm. an extended period of time. I never even thought about it, really. I just assumed yeah. that everything stopped, you know, the way most benefits do when you end up in the Huskow. Yeah. Yeah. It's just the law and, and people need to be aware of it. And the consequence, like I said, nothing worse than, you know, someone does in fact serve their time, pay their debt. The information wasn't exchanged, and now they owe a huge financial burden, repayment like we discussed. So it's pretty unfortunate when that happens as well. And they're going to find out. So get in touch with the VA. Let them know your status. You don't want to owe thirty grand. I mean, obviously, if you're in jail, you're not going to be able to spend it, and you're thinking it's all growing. But when they say, hey, we're going to need it all back, and they will get it because that's how they operate. I mean, that's the government, just like when you're in service. If you owe money, they get it quick. If you're owed money, uh, you get it slow. That's how that works. Mm -hmm. So folks, if you have any questions or anything on this, please get in touch with us because there's a great number of resources we'd love to share with you. And if you're dealing with somebody that's incarcerated, you have a lot of other stressors and getting out and having a plan afterwards and making sure that the family's taken care of with apportionment, if that's an appropriate thing for that particular situation. I'm sure there's lots of very specific rules and regulations and things that apply to it, but at least you can ask. The worst they can say is no. And what happens when the veteran gets out? Say it's five years, they were 50%, now they're down to 10%. When they get out, are they right back at 50% of assuming they haven't applied anything else? Yeah, assuming they haven't applied for anything else, you know, it won't happen unless they tell VA. Maybe it will, maybe it won't, but that's right. They grow right back to 50, 50%. Now, you don't get back pay. That's gone if you haven't apportioned it, but you'd go back to 50%. We've been talking with Dr. Paul Lawrence about the issues that veterans face with the justice system and their veterans' benefits. Paul, again, thank you so much for joining us with Straight to the Point. Great to be with you again, Tyra. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on Straight to the Point with Dr. Paul Lawrence and Dr. Tyler Piron. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and a review. Want to keep up with Dr. Lawrence? Connect with him on LinkedIn. You can also follow us on Instagram at ComingHomeWell underscore BTS or on Twitter at ComingHomeWell. Thanks again. And until all are home and all are well, this is Coming Home Well.